You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Okay, let's get going then. We're in the eighth chapter of Terumot. And this is a chapter that flip-flops between, I, I would say, uncertainty and questions of life or death or near questions of life or death. So you remember we began the chapter with uh, the wife who perhaps was still married or perhaps not married to the Kohen, or the slave who perhaps was a slave of a Kohen and could still eat Truma, but perhaps not. Maybe his master had died, maybe his master had freed him or given him away or, or, or sold him in some way. And we morphed, we segued from there into the question of uncovered uncovered drinks and whether it's safe to drink drinks which have been uncovered for the length of time that it takes a snake to creep out and possibly sip from the drink and then creep back into its hole. That's where we're at. And tonight we're going to take, if you like, the second of the the second zig of the zigzags and we're going to get back into existential uncertainty before tomorrow getting back into existential questions of well, not yes, of life and death, really. So that that's the plan for tonight and for tomorrow. Let's jump into the text. We're in the eighth. We're in the eighth. Uh, the eighth mission. We're in the eighth missioner, and it deals with a jar of truma which might have been become impure. Chavit shel truma ba sefek tuma. Maybe, and the example that the Bartonura brings is that you've got two jars of truma in your storehouse. And you think that a creepy crawly might have jumped on the outside of one of the jars. And the thing about a, a, a jar of truma is if a creepy crawly jumps into it, it becomes tummy. And you therefore, you can't do anything with it, right? You can't give it to a Kohen because the Kohen can't eat it. But you can't burn it or destroy it because you can't get rid of trauma. So it becomes entirely impossible. Now, if if we know which jar the creepy crawl is jumped on, at least we know that we have a problem with that trauma. This is a situation where perhaps there are two jars and we don't know which one the creepy crawly has jumped onto. And the Mishnah says, continues with a dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua, Rabbi Joshua. And we've seen before in running right through the Masechet, that the, these disputes between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Joshua come, you know, they come up again and again and again. And Rabbi Eliezer, by the way, is a purist. We're going to see that right through to the end of the tractate. Rabbi Eliezer is a purist and Rabbi Joshua is a pragmatist. So let's see Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, if it had been put somewhere exposed, you should go and hide it away in somewhere which is hidden away, in a place tsanua. If it, if it, if it was a, if it was open, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a um, if, maybe there's a, a linguistic reference here to the drinks which have been left open, left uncovered. If it was left uncovered, you should cover it up. Rabbi Eliezer is concerned that this truma, which might possibly be tummy, 
he's concerned that someone will come across it and um, maybe someone, maybe a Kohen will come across it and will uh, become Tameh because of contact with the trauma. So Rabbi Eliezer says, cover it up, hide it away, keep it safe so that nobody, nobody bumps into it. While Rabbi Hoshua says exactly the opposite. If it was in a hidden place, if it was if it was in a hidden place, open it up, put it in a place where everybody goes. For if it was covered up, open, take off the cover. Rabbi Hoshua's view seems to be exactly the opposite. We've got a problem with this truma. It's of dubious, it's of dubious status. We're not sure whether it's Tameh or Tahor. Let's put it out somewhere where plenty of other creepy crawlies could bump into it or other people could bump into it where we know that after a short period of time it will absolutely certainly become Tameh. So in other words, Rabbi Yoshua says effectively, let's decide the matter. Rabbi Eliezer says, let's protect it. That's essentially the, the pragmatic versus the idealist in, in this Mishnah. And Rabban Gamliel, by the way, who by nature is a very cautious posek. Rabban Gamliel is the first of the generation of the, um, of the dynasty of, you know, Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Shimon, the, the, the first of the dynasty of, um, that was to lead to Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, the first of the dynasty to take, um, to be the head of the Bet Din after the destruction of Jerusalem and the creation of the Bet Din at Yavne. And he's famously cautious and conservative. And Rabban Gamliel says, Al Yechadesh Ba Davar. Just don't do anything. In other words, you just don't move it. Leave well alone. Just walk away from it. What happens, happens. You're not, you are not responsible for what happens to this doubtful piece of trauma. This piece of trauma whose status is doubtful. Just walk away from it. Now, this question as to whether we take action, whether we take action or whether we just walk away, is then picked up in the next two Mishnayot. And the next Mishnah will begin with a jar. So we, we began with, we, we began, remember, with a jar. Chavit shel trumash in oladbas fake tuma. A jar of truma that might have had some dubious, that might possibly have become tummy. And the Mishnah will pick up, you know, it's a linguistic, it's a linguistic pattern in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is going to pick up again with a jar. Chavit. A, 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 a um, barrel of a jar of wine that's broken in the upper part of the wine press. And the Bartonora suggests, explains here, that wine is stored at the top of the wine press and that there's a, there's a space at the bottom where they're actually treading out the wine. And of course, there's ordinary non-trimmer wine at the bottom. And this jar has broken at the top. Now... What's going to happen? Well, it's trimmer. The wine, the jar that's broken at the top is trimmer. And of course, when it falls into the bottom of the wine press, as we know, as we've already learned, if the proportion of trimmer that's fallen down is anything more than 1%, 1 in 100, it's going to render the whole of the contents of the bottom of the wine press dubiously trimmer. Just like the two jars in the previous mission were dubiously tummy. And again, that, that's an economic disaster because you can't do anything. You, you can't do anything with that wine. And 
Rubby, and so there's a question. Should we try to save some of it by pouring it into whatever vessels we have? But if we do that, by the way, we're going to make... We might make that wine tame. If we don't have... The wine is wet, right? And wetness wetness um, transmits truma. If we're going to save truma for a kohen, we need to pour it into vessels which themselves are have the status of being tahor. We can't just pour them into any old vessels. And so Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Joshua are going to disagree as to how active we should be in saving this wine from contaminating, saving the wine that's at the top of the press that's broken from contaminating everything at the bottom. Now they agree, by the way, that if we can find a clean uh, a jar that's not tame, we can we should save as much as we can, right? Obviously, they say, look, if you can save at least a river eat, we should absolutely save it. But where they disagree is whether we should act just as they disagree um, as to with just as they disagree with Rabban Gamliel as to whether they should move the, the, the jar of dubiously tame trimmer. They disagree with one another as to whether they should pour this wine into vessels which might not be um, tohorim. Um, and Rabbi Eliezer says, look, if you haven't got a clean vessel, you just let it drip down into the bottom of the, of the wine press and you let it contaminate the whole of the collection of wine at the bottom of the, of the gut, the bottom of the press. Now, there's Rabbi Elias doesn't Rabbi Elias doesn't really care about saving the ordinary wine at the bottom of the wine press. He's just happy to let it drip because he doesn't want the he doesn't like the idea that you might, for example, scoop it up and pour it into an unclean vessel. Maybe you're making it deliberately unclean. I mean, maybe you're saving the wine at the bottom, but at the cost of making this truma deliberately unclean. And they have a parallel dispute in the next Mishnah. Vechain, chavit. Again, we're going to start with a chavit, a jar of oil that's broken. And Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Joshua, again, that if we can save at least a rivet in purity, if we can find a vessel that is tahor and to pour the wine in it, that's fine. But if not, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, look, let's just let it flow down and be swallowed up by the ground. Let it just drip off into, a ground, into the ground. Let him not make it unclean with his own hands. The al yivalena biadav. Let it not be rendered un, un, uh, unusable by Kohanim by his own actions. Those are the three Mishnayot which we're going to cover tonight. So they deal, they begin with uncertainty and they lead on to questions as to how active we should be in, um, well, we're going to, in saving wine and in saving oil. And this question as to how active we should be, we're going to, is going to, one that we're going to return to tomorrow when we look at the next uh, the next two Mishnayot. We're going to hear the response of Rabbi Yehoshua we haven't heard his response to Rabbi Eliezer yet. He's going to respond, and then we're going to close the chapter with existential issues about life and death. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.